That night, all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this desert. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. Then the, Lord, then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of the meeting to all the Israelites. The Lord said to Moses, How long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me, in spite of all the signs I have performed among them? I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them, but I will make you into a nation greater and stronger than they. Moses said to the Lord, Then the Egyptians will hear about it. By your power you brought these people up from among them, and they will tell the inhabitants of this land about it. They have already heard that you, Lord, are with these people, and that you, Lord, have been seen face to face, that your cloud stays with them, and that you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. If you put all these people to death, leaving none alive, the nations who have heard this report about you will say, the Lord was not able to bring these people into the land he promised them on oath. So he slaughtered them in the wilderness. Now may the Lord's strength be displayed, just as you have declared. The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiving sin and rebellion. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children for the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. In accordance with your great love, forgive the sin of these people, just as you have them pardoned from the time they left Egypt until now. The Lord replied, I have forgiven them as you asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of the men who saw my glory and the miraculous signs I performed in Egypt and in the desert, but who disobeyed me and tested me 10 times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their forefathers. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. But because my servant Caleb as a different spirit and followed me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. Sorry, Joe, can't hear you very well. Maybe closer or plug something in. Can you hear me now? Nope. Hmm. While they work that out, maybe someone else can pick up 25. Since the Amalekites and Canaanites are living in the valleys, turn back tomorrow and set out toward the desert along the route to the Red Sea. 
The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, How long will this wicked community grumble against me? I have heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. So tell them, As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. In this desert, your bodies will fall, every one of you 20 years old or more, who has counted in the census and who has grumbled against me. Not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. As for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, I will bring them in to enjoy the land you have rejected. But you, your bodies will fall in this desert. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies lies in the desert. For 40 years, one year for each of the 40 days you explored the land, you will suffer for your sins and know what it is like to have me against you. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will surely do these things to this whole wicked community which has banded together against me. They will meet their end in this desert. Here they will die. So the men Moses had sent to explore the land, who returned and made the whole community grumble against him by spreading a bad report about it. These men responsible for spreading the bad report about the land were struck down and died of a plague before the Lord. Of the men who went to explore the land, only Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh survived. When Moses reported this to all the Israelites, they mourned bitterly. Early the next morning, they went up toward the high hill country. We have sinned, they said. We will go up to the place the Lord promised. But Moses said, why are you disobeying the Lord's command? This will not succeed. Do not go up because the Lord is not with you. You will be defeated by your enemies for the Amalekites and Canaanites will face you there. Because you have turned away from the Lord, he will not be with you and you will fall by the sword. Nevertheless, in their presumption, they went up toward the high hill country, though neither Moses nor the Ark of the Lord's covenant moved from the camp. Then the Amalekites and Canaanites who lived in that hill country came down and attacked them and beat them down all the way to Hormah. All right. Amen. Okay, so this is the aftermath, or I guess the, the culmination of their rebellion. Right? Not only do they believe the bad report, but they refuse to go and they make alternate plans. And uh, God is ready to um, kind of eliminate them, but... Uh, Moses intercedes yet again, right? So um, pretty sad story, uh, a very consequential uh, event though, right? Because it delays the uh, entering into the promised land for 40 years. And it leads to a whole generation of Israelites that came out of the Exodus from uh, yeah, getting out of the wilderness. They, they die uh, in the wilderness and stuff. So... Uh, I thought we could spend um, the bulk of our time today um, kind of doing some, I guess, analysis, um, trying to figure out, like, what made the Israelites so uh, bent on um, not going in? What, what made them so, what was it that, you know, what was the, the pathway, I call it like the pathway of descent, the downward spiral uh, that they took. Um, maybe there are some either patterns or, or specific steps that uh, kind of we can kind of uh, look at. So I just, my question one for us, um, trace the steps that led the Israelites to reach their drastic conclusions. Uh, I, I like the word drastic here. And then um, do you discern any logical or causation errors uh, in, their, in their thinking or in their purpose? So uh, you're welcome to express the steps or type it in. But I figure you'll you need to review the verses a little bit too.
Okay, so uh, we got a few uh, some input. Does it make sense to go back to Egypt because they will surely be killed or tortured? Okay, yeah, this um, maybe we should go back. That somehow that is a better uh, journey, this destination route. Um, and and how are they going to get back there? Right, um, they came through in, in a miraculous way and all that. So, okay, that's a good point. Alice, fear, then grumbling then taking matters into their own hands and getting themselves worked up to the point where they couldn't listen to other people's contrasting opinions. They were ready to stone them. What, what was specifically, Alice, if you could share, what was the taking matters? Which matters did they take into their own hands? So when they said to each other in verse four that, um, Basically, they had decided to go back to Egypt. So they kind of just started. It, it seemed like they were talking to themselves, like taking initiative to just plan to go back. Like, oh, we should choose a leader and start to go back. Uh, so that was what I was referring to. Thank you. And then Moons uh, contributed. I wonder if some of the mistakes on the journey was that they were stuck in a slave mentality. Maybe they were locked into the mindset of a slave master with God rather than children father. So they were unable to trust in God's goodness. Um, so, but I think I understand that. And I think that's correct. But why did they want to go back to Egypt? Because, oh, that, that's, that's their slave mentality. That's where they're comfortable and familiar. Is that, was that what you mean? Yeah, the, that was the evil that they knew rather than this unknown future with this unknown master. Got it. Okay. Ooh, Dave got numbers. I like it. Hearing two views of the same situation that requires discernment. Okay, yeah. So um, that's what I put down too. I started with the bad report versus Caleb's admonition, right? Because uh, there was an opportunity to um, consider what was before them, right? Um, and these, these were pretty much diametrically opposed, right? One, Caleb wanted to go in and said, the land is great. And if God gives it to us, it's ours. And then the 10 spies, their report was, I argued that they were, you know, hyperbolically bad. Uh, it was intended to, um, Uh, induce or incite fear, right? Fear mongering. It was, Dave called it fake news last year, last week, last time, I think, right? They, they, uh, that they, that they were grasshoppers compared. To, so they, uh, you know, made it sound like they made the enemies, the opponents look bigger than they were. Um, they, they claimed the land would swallow them up, right? There was no evidence of that. So, Anyway, um, the fact that the people um, weighed or considered or kind of um, their filter, right? I think that's a, a good way to start uh, uh, our, our, our analysis here, right? So, you know, how we process information. Uh, when we look at a situation or we're faced with a challenge or, uh, you know, God gives us a command. I mean, the, the, you know, our, usually our filter process uh, is similar for, for all those kinds of things. And, um, you know, beyond just kind of whatever, are you a pessimistic person or an optimistic person? Are you... A kind of a go-getter or you're more more kind of let's say a wallflower are you more passive or aggressive uh, beyond just those kind of factors because you know sometimes those affect you know do we like challenge versus do we like you know a sure thing risk taking risk averse 
those can all play into our personalities and our what we've gone through and all that. But um, the one that I um, uh, it should continue with Dave's for a while too, allowing themselves to be deceived, carried away the majority view. Okay, let, let's stop there. Uh, we'll go back to it. So uh, I, I feel like, you know, since, you know, we're talking from a biblical or a Christian perspective, um, the battle is often, uh, it's not often, but the battle can often, yeah, the battle can often be lost uh, if you, if your filter, if your processing your, your, the way you process um, doesn't have God in it. Uh, if you are, uh, uh, you know, even if you're the most pragmatic and analytical and really good at pros, pro cons, if God is missing from whatever challenge is before you or whatever difficulty you have to face or whether whatever decision or if it's a command, right? If if God's not real to you, if um, there is no God in what you, what you see, uh, it's really hard to kind of discern the right path for a Christian, right? Uh, you know, you, you of course, it seems kind of nonsensical that a Christian wouldn't include God in their process, but I don't know. <laughs> I feel like it's a it's an easy mistake or easy temptation. It's something to overlook that. You know, we are so experienced. We're, we're so we we're so good at applying our own kind of um, evaluation assessment, our own kind of uh, thinking to what's before us, to a set of problems or to a decision that God is, you know, relegated to uh, a small role, if any. Right? And I think that's where, um, you know, Caleb's, I feel like Caleb didn't have much to say, right? He certainly was courageous. He certainly was, you know, um, excited or enthusiastic about taking it. And, you know, later on, we'll, you know, we, later on, in, in, we won't get to it, but later on in Joshua, he li lives and, you know, he's, he talks about how uh, 40 years since, you know, this incident, He's, he's not weak anymore. He's still, he's, he's not weak. He still wants to fight. You know? So he's got a very kind of youthful spirit, right? But I feel like the only thing that he can really say, and the only thing that he really does say is, you know, God wants us to go, right? Where is God in, in this report? Where is God in our analysis? That if God is not front and center, I mean, we may not know what God wants, but we still have to put him front and center. And unfortunately, the Israelites, they, they have no perception. They have no sense, right? All they can see is the giants. All they can see is the, 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 the deceptive report. Um, all they can see is their own desires. All they can see is their own filters, right? And so they're already, um, like I said, they're already defeated, right? Uh, they're, they're kind of over, they already start their kind of long, you know, grim slide down, uh, I think. So um, it's always, I think, ap applicable, right? Are you going to, you know, travel <laughs> during Christmas or not? Well, well you know, well, what does God, what does God, what do you think God is saying? Do you take this job, this promotion? Do you uh, buy this uh, device or this car? Or do you um, read this book? Do you engage this person in a difficult conversation? Do you, you know, share the gospel? You, you know, both spiritual and uh, everything else, non-spiritual, decisions, you know, God wants to, God should play a part. God uh, wants to play a part. And it's, yeah, it's just kind of tragic that in the most, this was the, 
culmination or the denouement of, of all of this exodus uh, work and travel and all that um, and, and, and preparation and they blow it. They, this is what God, God should have been the most important of all. He should be again, front and center, especially in this, uh, in this moment, in this situation. But uh, he's kind of, in my, in my view, he's, he's far uh, from their minds. And uh, I don't know, maybe um, you guys are thinking it, but I feel like um, we don't see any like consultation. We don't see any prayer. Uh, we don't see any like, well, let's, let's give it some time to see what, um, we should do. It was a very instinctual, uh, you know, reaction. They were incited, their fear antenna went up and then they just kind of like, uh, fell apart, right? They just lost it. Um, yeah. Um, not only do we have to have God in our filtration, right? Uh, but I think we need Sometimes wisdom. We need patience. We need uh, uh, we need the help of others. We need to pray. We need to search the scriptures. You know, whatever the case may be. Sometimes our our decisions are so like you know, visceral and knee jerk. Um, and 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 I don't know. I think that that that's you know, for people that love prudence and pragmatism. I feel like. That kind of humility and uh, you know leaving it up, uh, you know God God's timing and all that. That's an important factor. Uh, the way that I think about it, um, yeah. It says that night they just uh, they were just um, you could call it like an emotional response. I think it, it's more kind of like hysterical. <laughs> Uh, response right they, they just they just let their fear uh pretty much possess them almost you know, they became paranoid paranoid um uh, in this uh, regard okay uh let's can you look at dave's um associating the lies with the character of god okay so that's good that they um uh, believed that the situation, the situation wasn't what they thought it was, right? But then they not only believed the lies, but they blamed God for that. Right. right. I mean, you know, even if the, the promised land is a very dangerous place, to go from there to God send us here to be wiped out, it is a, you know, it's a big cognitive jump, right? And actually, I personally believe that's why God is so upset that you went from, you know, seeing a bad situation to God is evil, right? God is out to get me. Right. And I think that's why God had it. Okay. Yeah. Number four, there's a probably underlying streak of rebellion that manifested based on that. Okay. So that was kind of, maybe that's, it's underlying. Maybe it's kind of like, they were always like that. And so they're prone to this. Right? Yeah. And then it probably, it's the, how quickly this happened, right? It happened that night, right? You know, it's just, you know, and it was quite unanimous, right? So, you know, it, it's, must be there's something in there that just, whatever it was, the, the news just pushed the right button and it just, you know, came right up, so. It's possible that they were already kind of antsy about this and they were just, yeah. for, uh, you know, a reason to, a deal, a deal breaking, right? Okay, good. Um, mob mentality. Yep, that that that's how I, I want to finish with that because I feel like that is uh, what really drives them over the edge. And then time makes people forget their pain. That sounds very Confucian. Time makes people forget their pain. Okay, uh, they had also forgotten how God saved God. <laughs> that's German. How God got got saved. <laughs> and led them out of Egypt. Good. Uh, so yeah, I think, um, well, I, I want to, before I get to what I call, I always call this revisionist memories, right? 
uh, I think that is also a step. So in my notes, after this kind of instinctual reaction, this kind of lack of, of, of consultation or, or looking to you know, see what's right, um, I think they're, they're, they, they have this collective self-pity. Um, right? they, they feel, they, they, they start wailing and, and, and weeping. Um, somehow, right, uh, the task before them or the, you know, their situation is just oh so woeful, you know, woe are we. That, you know, um, they, they imagine, they, 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 con they conclude, they, they, find themselves in such a horrid and horrible place. Right? Um, so, okay, you know, okay, let's say the task is bad. I mean, it's really hard. It's going to be hard. I, I don't think that's bad. Right? And, um, you know, maybe they're very afraid and, you know, it's not fair what they think that, that God wants them to do. And, you know, uh, he's always been kind of rough on them and stuff. But, the kinds of, you know, like again, the drastic conclusions that they draw about, it's better that we had died in the desert and better that we never came from Egypt and God's out to get us. And this fellow Moses is, you know, trying to hurt. It's just, it's amazing. Uh, I feel like, fun like let's say functionally, is that, is that the term I want? Functionally or effectually, this is the most powerful thing that can lead us uh, away from God. Yes, I think um, rebellion, yeah, that certainly is, is a strong candidate uh, for that. And, and all the stuff that we talked about, no prayer, not having faith and stuff like that. But when you feel, when I feel sorry for myself, it's really hard to get any, to go anywhere. It, it, it's a very debilitating kind of perception, a conclusion to draw, right? It's hard not only for yourself, certainly. Like if you feel like, you know, you're, you've got the raw deal, if you feel like, you know, God's out to get you or people are out to get you, if you feel you can't, you know, wild horses, you know, what do they say? Wild horses can't drag that out of me. You know, even God can't, you know, force you to do that. Uh, sometimes right and then it, it 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 i think it paralyzes everything around you people can't help you because you know when i found that when when people try to help me when i, I i'm feeling bad like this i get mad at them i think that they are part of the problem they are contributing to my issues right so this kind of now i know that sometimes uh we are in pitiable situations. We are, we really need some compassion or encouragement. I, 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 don't, I don't want to downplay that. So objectively, you know, um, we might really need some, some pity and some assistance. What I'm talking about is this kind of, yeah, it's kind of self, um, kind of over overbear overbearing kind of um, yeah uh, kind of martyrdom if you will this kind of just uh, seeing yourself as as the ultimate victim yeah this is to me um, kind of almost really hard to turn someone turn me uh, when when uh, I am like this, right? Now, there's a difference between like brokenness, hitting rock bottom. Those are good things, right? But if the Israelites were like, oh my gosh, you know, God, we can't do this. And, you know, we need your help. We're helpless and hopeless. You know, th that's actually a formula for, you know, God's, God to come in and change us. But when against either facts or against evidence or against reality, and when we are, let's say, overwrought, when we are deluded, you know, 
in thinking that we're in the worst place and we're with the worst people and we're in the worst time. Um, I feel like uh, it's, it, it, it's, you know, it, it's, it's, it's defeat. It's, you know, you have to, some God has to wave the white flag sometimes um, in, in that kind of uh, instance, right? Because when I think, I don't know if it is a precipitating factor or if it's a consequential factor, but kind of intertwined with self-pity is what we mentioned, this revisionist memory, right? Yeah, so the people, as the law said, they forgot how horrible Egypt was. I mean, they were cried out in their misery for 400 years, right? or however long that they were being oppressed. And the, the, the situation was, you know, um, you know, untenable and you know, they forget, they forgot what all that was. In fact, they only remember the good stuff uh, about it, right? And then the counterpart to that is they, I think, overhype the hardship that God gave them and they forget completely, right? This is, I think, very offensive to God in this story, in this narrative is, you know, he pulled out all the stops, 10 plagues, miraculous signs, manna, you know, pillar of cloud, pillar of, you know, just, just some amazing things that he did that, you know, I think God up to this point was actually kind of veiled in his um, appearances and manifestations and, and, and miracles here and there he did it but for the Israelites he pulled out all the stops right for the exodus this was you know his you know uh, kind of breaking into history and, and showing you know what's what who's who kind of thing and the fact that the Israelites completely <laughs> forgot that completely discounted that right I think that is because their self-pity, right, forced them to draw those kind of conclusions, right? That what they had before, what they had before getting involved with God, somehow that was better. And so they start making up things. They start revising uh, history, right? They, as again, as the law said, they'd forgotten how God had saved them and led them out of Egypt. So um, then I think um, the, the, the peak of this is once you start revising memory, once you start um, like really um, believing your own tale of woe, of, of misery, that you are in a, in a bad, you start wondering, well, how did I get here? And that's when we start blaming, right? It's a, it's a short step to go from this revisionist, this self-pity slash full of revi re revised memories uh, to, you know, it's because that guy, it's because of that decision, it's because of you made me do this. You know, and it you know, ultimately gets to God. So, you know, their acrimony, their, they start denouncing, right, uh, in an offensive and rebellious way, uh, both God and his servant Moses. Right? And they start, you know, they're ready to fling Moses off and appoint a new leader. They're ready to stone Caleb and Joshua for, daring to suggest that somehow God was on their side. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I think everything just falls apart from that point on, right? And then when the mob mentality, as Alice put it, or as we see there, when that takes hold, it's actually, um, there's quite a bit of emphasis on You know, the, the, the particular language, right? all the people, the community, all the Israelites, the whole assembly, they were really one in spirit. There's a strong unity because 
but it was a negative unity. So just because we have unity and, and, and teamwork and we all have one purpose, that doesn't you know, automatically mean it's good. Here they were very negative. They were sinful, but they were powerful, right? And that power, you know, uh, led to this outright and firm right, rejection of God's purposes uh, for them. And it's sad, right, that they exercise their strength, their numbers, their the, the concert of power. That was when they refused God. Isn't that, isn't that kind of you know, very telling and, and, and very uh, sad that we're at our strongest, we're at our most um, whatever uh, persevering or unshakable when it comes to sin, when it comes to going against God. When, you know, God created, I think those gave us those faculties and, and, and give us opportunities to stand firm and boldness and courage and, 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 and patience and love and, and, um, you know, to do what is right, to stand for, you know, justice. Uh, but, you know, we discard those and, you know, the best things about us appear in the worst ways. And I think that's what we see in the Israelites here. Okay, I, I want to move on to the second half of my question. Question two is, let's do the same thought and discussion process for God, right? Do the same exercise. Question two in the chat says, do the same exercise as question one for God's drastic conclusion. Right. So just as the Israelites, you know, they reach this very like um, heated uh, and, and final uh, point or decision stage, I feel like, you know, God's pronouncements, his, what he's going to do, what he wants to do, what, what he ends up doing, it's pretty drastic, right, in his, for him. So let's give a few minutes uh, and chat up or express verbally the process for God, the steps, stages for God.
Okay, Alice uh, offers, everything God did was consistent with his character. Even though he forgave the people as Moses asked, he still punished them for their sin. Okay. Uh, actions have consequences and God's justice required him to respond to their sin. And even when God forgives, that does not undo the wrong. Forgiveness does not undo the sin. It only restores the relationship. Anything else? Anybody want to take the side that maybe God was being too harsh here? We've heard, we've read orthodoxy from Alice and uh, the moons. Well, I did actually think about this particular punishment. And uh, I mean, this is the defining punishment for this generation, right? Like basically every single one in this generation was judged. I mean, even though God delayed it, I mean, you read it in the New Testament, it's pretty clear. This is a, this is like every single person in the country was judged. And I was thinking about this in contrast to the other sins that they've committed, right? You know, you like idolatry. Oh, like, you know, when they like, you know, like were in sexual immorality with the nations around them, like God punished them too, right? But it's almost like this particular one is like something on a different level. Like, you know, because, I mean, this, this is everybody, right? And so, you know, th there is something that in my mind is like, wow, this is whatever this particular event was, it really, you know, I mean, ticked God off, right? And, and it, I, I go back to kind of what I was thinking about before is just, there's something about really blaspheming his character that that you know that that goes too far. You know, maybe is you know like even when you know you do morally wrong things, idolatry, whatever. You know, God will deal with that. But you know that something like this when you just. Um, yeah, like you really question his character, especially given the history of that. Um, yeah, so must have been an, on a different level. Yeah, it's right. So attributing, like you said, attributing evil to something that God was giving in terms of good, right? Um, I mean, I, I keep I don't know if I mentioned it here, but we think about like when the context of the unpardonable sin comes up in the new testament and one of them is to call to like blaspheme the holy spirit or to call the good spirit beelzebub right and, right well, maybe that's there's a pattern there um but like i don't know i mean do you guys not ever blame god i mean there's other sins we commit but uh, sometimes like I find myself holding God responsible. Sometimes it's like asking him to fix it, you know, since he's the one that created it. Um, other times it's kind of an, like a, a frustrated or exasperated finger pointing and stuff. So how do you um, know you didn't get the punishment for it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Or you might've already did. You just don't realize it. Okay. 
Um, other contributions have come in uh, about uh, Moses and God's patience being his long suffering coming to an end. Okay, protection lifted. Anyone else? Uh, as they read uh, God's response, uh, you guys have anything to add on the chat or in? Uh... I mean, I, I feel like, uh, I feel like part of this punishment is also supposed to be for the good of Israel as well, that through the, the, through the consequence of this sin and, and the 40 years of shaping that somehow it's also good for Israel to, to better impress upon them, you know, the seriousness of God, the seriousness of what was about to happen. Um, so that it wasn't just a pure punishment. I mean, I, I, I kind of disagree with uh, uh, that this was about God getting like pushed to the edge because the Israel like sin again and they keep on sinning and God keeps on forgiving them. Um, so I, I, can't even, I can't think of this as like, God is so angry that he just like lays on the hammer. Uh, I, I kind of, uh, I, would kind of, I would actually compare this to more like uh, in the New Testament, the founding of the church with where Annas and, and Sophia were, were killed for lying. Um, and we, we kind of, and some, and like we, we said before that, that part of that is because that was at the very beginning of the church and it was important to kind of lay that, uh, to kind of uh, establish what's, what is right and proper and, and how we should approach God. You know, I, I kind of feel like this is more along those lines than it is that the sin is so egregious that uh, it causes them to live, to die in the desert. Yeah, good points. Um, what is the, what do you guys think is the, how would you distill down what the punishment was? To not see the promised land. Okay. He gave them what they wanted or what they asked for. What do you mean? Because they didn't want to go into the promised land, so they didn't go in. And there's like a kind of, uh, you know, he, he, he's saying like uh, uh, the, um, there's a kind of, I, I don't know, it's also an answer. It's all, it, there's something about like what happened that God makes the punishment correspond to it, like 40 years, like one year for every day you were exploring the land, right? And then like the children that you said, would be taken as plunder, they're actually going to be the one who enjoyed the abundance. Of so there's a kind, I don't know, it's, it's somehow like structured, <laughs> you know, according to it's like what happened and what they, you know, what they did, what they said. And it's kind of, I mean, it's sort of like what, I don't know, I guess what uh, Young was saying that um, it's a consequences of their actions or their, you know, the nature of their rebellion. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I mentioned that before, right? That uh, be careful what you wish for or what you're afraid of even because they thought that their bodies were going to die in the desert and they did, right? And they thought their children would be um, whatever, devoured or plundered or whatever. But, um, but it's they that get to enjoy the, the blessing whereas they themselves, you know, are not. Um, Okay, there's a couple more contributions. Okay. Yeah. Well, they did, uh, responding to Steph, they did, God continued to protect them and give them provision, but it was a far cry from what they would have enjoyed in Canaan, right? Um, I mean, sometimes, you know, that is God's judgment or God's wrath is to have it your way, right? If you really want to do it this way, then I'll let you. And, you know, uh, 
so I think it was C.S. Lewis who said that hell, that's what hell is. Hell is saying, God saying to us eternally, okay, you don't want me around ever, then have at it. You know, I, I, I'll leave you to yourself. Um, well, man, yeah. Okay, uh, a lot of good stuff. I mean, uh, I think this is a little harder to pinpoint for me um, than uh, the Israelites. Um, I, I kind of understand something kind of innately <laughs> what the Israelites are like and, and what they do and what they're thinking because, you know, I, I, I'm one of them, you know, they're the fellow sinful sin sinners like like me. Um, I, I, what I, what I was thinking about was, um, you know how the Israelites, uh, they ramp up or I talked about this then actually, they, they, they kind of, they kind of spiral down, right? They, they start with lack of faith and, you know, they, they're not able to discern truth and there's no prayer. They're reactionary. They fall into self-pity. They revise memory. They finger point. And then they refuse. They, they start getting into mob mentality of execute. You know, so uh, they start out not slowly, but they start out, you know, a little bit kind of not good. And then by that, by the end, they're they're kind of really, you know, they're in the pits, right? Pits of of, of human sin and rebellion. Um, I found the opposite happening with God. He comes out very strong. I'm going to wipe these people out. How long will they show contempt for me? It's over, right? Kind of like, I guess, how the laws, or the laws were um, kind of expressing it, right? God had it with them. This, this was, he didn't, he didn't want to deal with them anymore, right? But Moses talks them off the ledge. Right? Moses and Aaron, they, you know, to their credit, they fall face down, right? And they cry out. For, for the people and you know uh, Moses brings up reminds God right he reminds God of the big picture wow <laughs> you know Lord didn't you do this and isn't this what's going to happen and do you want this you know he kind of uh, yeah he this is a powerful intercession here that Moses um, uh, prays on behalf uh, of the people right so God relents. God, um, you know, he goes from, is white hot the hottest thing, the hottest color? White hot, blue hot, red hot? <laughs> goes from white hot to blue hot. And, and, and you know, um, we, we know that, uh, you know, sin has consequences, right? And that, so Moses, um, talks about right God's judgment and the punishment right, and then forgiveness it's and so God says yeah I'm you know he, he is able to he, he declares that he has forgiven them and I like what you guys wrote about forgiveness being the restoration of a relationship um, Uh, and then I think he, uh, like the the ten spies, they die on the spot, right? So their 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 hand in this needs a, I think a drastic and maybe even exemplary, right? As an example, um, ex, uh, you know, response, right? Uh, but the the judgment, the the punishment. Um, that is, you know, meted out upon the people, or at least the first generation. Um, I, I think it's, it, it, it has the flavor or the character of what you guys mentioned. Um, I, I, I think of it this way. I, I, I called it a disinheritance. Um, you know, all this was about God not only delivering the Israelites, not only having them, giving them a, a new place, a promised land, a great place, uh, but 
um, giving them something in perpetuity, right? This land was supposed to stay among the families, among the clans, among the tribes, you know, for, for, to endure. It was not to be sold. It wasn't to be bartered or, you know, I mean, it, it, there was permission, but it eventually goes back. It's supposed to go back to, them. so this was God's like permanent gift. This was his blessing. This was his, his inheritance. This was um, the long-term plan uh, from God. Um, and it could have been enjoyed by the first generation. They could have been, you know, whether it's their names or whether it's experience, they could have had this. And yet um, they, yeah, they choose or as a punishment, they get what, what, they, what they want, which is, you know, they never get to go in. They, they're forgotten, right? And this kind of picture that they are buried outside in the desert. Um, I think uh, talks about, about that. And um, if you think about it, that is actually, you know, physical death is, of course, judgment. Sometimes it's characteristic of a judgment, like pest plague or you know, we'll, we'll, we'll in our in a, some future studies we have fire coming from the sky and the the earth swallowing up and people falling in. So so death and judgment, of course, are intertwined. But this disinheritance is actually very. It's it's pretty. Uh, the word is not powerful. It's it's pretty devastating, <laughs> right? Uh, to be disinherited, like if you think about Esau. You know, Esau belonged in that, you know, he, he could have, you know, I don't know about God's plans, ultimate plans and purposes, but he was supposed to be, you know, the grandson, third in line after Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, Esau. Esau was the firstborn, but he, you know, sold his birthright for pottage and, you know, he got the blessing taken from him. So um, I think Disinheritance is, it feels like, okay, oh, I lost it. That's not, it's bad, but it's not so bad. But when you lose what God wants to give you, what God planned to give you, what God wants to give you, um, there is a, a devastation, I think. That's there. So in one sense, the punishment is, I feel like, oh, it's not a big deal, right? My, my kids are going to get it. I might not get it, but my kids are going to get it. But in another sense, it is because, you know, they, it was God's kind of, his, the, the crown of what he was doing, right? To give the people uh, something that they could uh, benefit from for uh, the rest of time, right? So um, I, that, that, that's, that was, you know, in addition to what you guys said, that was my kind of, like pseudo dissection of what I thought God uh, was, was doing or, or um, as a result. Okay, so um, the last part is the Israelites try to make up for it. You know, they say, oh, we messed up. Right? Okay, we're going to go now. And they, without authorization, without command, without any sort of prayer um, they jump they try to fight and they are uh, resoundingly defeated right so uh, it just kind of yeah that, to me that's just a, another pitiful conclusion that um, not only do they not understand god's heart before you know they they mess up but they don't understand god's heart after they mess up either right um, no, I, I, I forgot to mention, I, I, I did think what Young said was helpful too, um, that um, the punishment was also, uh, I think others have mentioned it, I think the uh, Naps, uh, Simon and Pam mentioned it too, that this was, uh, there's grace involved, that God was trying to, I think he trains the, the second generation in the wilderness, right? Two years plus wasn't enough. They needed 40 years to do that, both as a discipline of the first generation and also a training of the second. So 
when they come in, uh, they, they are ready, they're fit to um, do uh, what God wants them to do. Okay. Let's, let's, let me read what came in. If God destroyed the Israelites, the two of them would have seen the promised land. Thoughts on the cost of love. Okay, so Moses and Aaron interceded uh, for that. That's an interesting question, right? Did they um, give up their inheritance in order to save the Israelites? You could, I think, think of it like that. Um, because, you know, I think Moses actually, back in Exodus, he actually says that, you know, destroy, you know, he would die in their place uh, and just save the people. So I think they were willing to, to, to pay the cost um, if need be. Um, um, I think it, it's an interesting question, you know, if Mo, you, we'll study eventually, it's the other ministry groups are, actually uh, looking at at this um, I'm looking at this Friday with NYU and that is you know when Moses disobeys God and strikes a rock instead of speaking to it God says you're not going to go in you're not going to lead the people through so I think it's an arguable point whether Moses was part of that of that curse of not being able to go in right so anyway um, good question all right uh, why don't we pray uh, to wrap up our study? Uh, Lord, um, it's interesting, I think, and hopefully ed educational to try to understand the Israelites, try to understand you uh, and stuff. Um, as we... Uh, try to uh, maybe learn so that we can avoid um, all that. Uh, help that to be uh, in our minds and hearts. Um, but help us not to miss the kind of the pathos here, the, the brokenness. Uh, the Israelites uh, fell. Uh, this was indeed the defining chapter of numbers and the defining event in a negative way, negative sense uh, for the, the, the wilderness journey. Um, as we see how um, you were certainly long suffering with them and um, in the end, right? You, Lord, you were, you, you suffered their foolishness even, even more. Um, Help us to think about that in our personal lives, our familial, our church life, our, our, our New York area life. That you know, have we are we missing our inheritance, whatever that may mean, in whatever context we can think about that, because um, you know, we are we have the characteristic of the Israelites. Um, Please uh, lead us into uh, the right path. Help us to um, put you front and center, put our faith front and center in how we think and what we decide and uh, where, where, where we go next, what we do next. Um, thank you for a chance to be with our brothers and sisters uh, virtually, uh, continue to guide us um, through our studies and uh, strengthen our fellowship um, in all ways possible. We lift up your name. Amen.